Welcome to episode one of the It Depends podcast. Ignorance of the law is no defense. Well, we've all heard that phrase before, ignorance of the law is no defense, and it's bullshit. Now, this is a legal principle that is thousands of years old. Aristotle wrote about it. The Roman Republic recognized it. And through the Greek and the Roman, it filtered into essentially the whole Western world. For a while, many places took it seriously, including Rome. In the Republic and the early empire, every law had to be posted in the Forum and certain other public places. That way, anyone could know what the law was. One of the great innovations of Caligula was that he would decree new laws, and he would then post them. At the very top of the poles, sometimes 20 or 30 feet high, and an incredibly tiny lettering. So it was impossible to know what the laws were. But they were posted so he could enforce them. And that's obviously a perversion, but debatably, today the situation is worse. Everyone in America is ignorant of the vast majority of the laws in this country. In fact, every American is ignorant of the number of laws in this country. People try to count the number of laws, and they can't do it. There are almost certainly thousands of federal laws. A recent estimate I saw said there are 4,500 different federal crimes. Compare that to the original Congress, which prohibited, depending on how you count it, anywhere from 28 to 31 crimes. Not to mention, laws have gotten a lot longer. The original Immigration and Naturalization Act in America was about two typed pages. Not that they typed it, of course. Even as recently as 1972, the longest law ever passed by the United States Congress was about 88 type pages. Complicated laws like the Federal Reserve Act and the Social Security Act were under 35 pages. Today, there are multiple laws passed that are literally thousands of pages long. And even worse, many of those pages, well, they're not written like a book. This is the law. This is what it says. These are the rules. No, instead, they'll say things like, Amend Title 15, Chapter 2D, Section 80A, Slash 15, Subsection F1B, to say, and then it will have a sentence. It doesn't give you the context to figure out what the hell that's talking about. You have to go to that specific law and see what it changes. And maybe you have to read 10 or 15 pages of that other law to figure out what the heck is going on the definitions, etc., that they use. So it can literally take an hour to read the single page of a law passed today. Things that are illegal to do under federal law and that, in fact, people have been prosecuted for. You want to pay somebody back for a stick of gum? Well, hope you don't write a check because it's actually illegal to write a check for less than a dollar. Have a friend who leaves his Facebook logged on in his tablet and he lets you use it? And maybe you post something funny on his page, like, I think Justin Bieber's the greatest musician of all time. Congrats, you've just committed wire fraud, which is a felony. Do you take part in any teenage pranks, like egging somebody's house? Well, that's a crime under state law, but if you hit their mailbox, it's a federal felony. Ever filled out an online form and given the wrong address, the wrong birthday, the wrong name? Ever just slid one of those little clickers that had you know, all the birth years on it, you didn't want to go down to yours? Yep, filling out an online form like that is 
a felony under federal law. Have you ever lied to your employer? Maybe you wanted to do an interview and you were a salaried employee. So you said, hey, I got to go to the dentist. Well, under the statute that was written, that was honest services fraud, a felony. The only reason I say was is SCOTUS finally limited that to say, no, no, even though that's what the text says, this only applies if there's bribery or kickbacks involved. It doesn't involve any generic dishonesty. How about you come home someday, you're looking in your kid's room, maybe you're putting laundry away, and you find heroin. And you don't want it in your house, and you don't want your kid using it, so you dispose of it. Uh, if you flush it down the toilet, that's a crime. If there's an investigation going on, well, you destroy stored evidence in an ongoing investigation, which is a felony. And of course, you even picking it up is possession of the drug, which is a felony. So that could be a threefer very easily. Depending on the amount, they might even get you for, for uh, distribution. And by the way, that's all federal stuff. There's also state and municipal laws here. There are additional crimes. So ignorance of the law is a fact of life. One of the things that makes this even worse is that a lot of laws are written very ambiguously. So the technical wording of a law can be stretched to cover something that no one originally intended. For example, Illinois had a law making it a crime to record any part of any conversation unless all parties to the conversation consented. A number of people recorded police officers talking to them during arrests, and some of them were prosecuted for wiretapping. Personally, I think it's very reasonable to record any conversations with the cops. It stops a lot of he said, she said later. But no, this was a crime. Other t ways to violate this law? Oh, well, if you record your kid's recital and people four rows behind you are talking and you pick up the conversation in your recording, that's a felony. When these laws were passed, no one had cell phones. No one had audio recorders at all times. The amount of recording done was incredibly small. And it probably was good to pass laws making it illegal to tap phones when people were talking on them. But the way the law is written is so broad, prosecutors can just prosecute whomever they want. It used to be a prosecutor would say, show me the crime, and I'll go prosecute it. But now a prosecutor can say, show me the man, and I'll find the crime. In fact, it's a somewhat famous story from the Southern District of New York, the Federal Southern District of New York Attorney's Office. Rudy Giuliani made his uh, name there as a prosecutor. And there was a game that people would play, prosecutors would play, where it's somebody would name some famous person. Famously, maybe Mother Teresa, maybe John Lennon. Maybe George H.W. Bush, who was vice president at the time. Maybe Tom Cruise. And the game was to find the most absurd law that you could twist to somehow be a crime they committed. One of the stories was that they managed to convict in their game John Lennon for false pretenses on the high seas because while he was on a boat in the Hudson River, he basically fibbed about something while talking to somebody and then eventually signed a contract to do a recording, I think, in their studio. Well, if he lied, that's fraud. And since he was on the Hudson River, that is, for some reason, the high seas and is a federal violation of the law. That's how the system works. You can't know all the laws. And of course, you know, we all know Murder is wrong. Rape is wrong. 
theft is wrong. But some of these laws are kind of crazy. You know, not everyone knows this, but it can be illegal to own furniture that contains redwood in it. My grandmother passed away 20 years ago now almost, but she was a felon because her husband had brought ivory into the country. He served in World War II in India. He got her some statuettes. She kept them for her whole life. Well, he didn't follow the rules for importing ivory. It was Asian ivory, and it was illegal to have that. The number of little picky details that are crimes are absurd. Some of them, you don't even have to technically commit a crime for it to be a crime. And here's what I mean. There's a treaty to protect endangered animals. The interpretation of this treaty by many courts says that if any country who's part of this treaty has banned the importation or selling of some particular animal as endangered, then if you sell that animal in the United States or cross state lines with it, you violated that law, which results in criminal penalties. So you now not only need to know American law, you have to know the law of every single country in the world that signed this treaty. Trust me, that's not the only treaty out there that has things like that. Now again, I know the justifications for this. If we had to prove someone knew it was a violation of the law to steal or to murder, every single person would say, well, I didn't know that was illegal. Guess what? That's why we have juries. Juries can tell when people are bullshitting about stuff. They really can. Trust me. I've tried cases. I've seen it. We don't need to worry about people getting away with bad things because they claim to not know it was illegal. Now, I'm not going to lie, sometimes people who are immigrants to this country, legally or otherwise, they may not know things are crimes. There are things that are sexual assault in America that are perfectly legal in parts of Africa and Asia. And I want to be absolutely clear here. I am not saying that the laws in Africa and Asia are better than ours. I think our laws are far better. Than I think we have a much better definition of sexual assault. Not always intuitive. To and the person from that country who immigrated might commit violations. And yeah, we've got a problem at that point. But clearly, to ruin somebody's life because their husband gave them a piece of ivory or they inherited a piece of ivory from the parent is absurd. It's a felony. It can be years in prison. It's permanent penalties. It's permanently telling people you are a felon. It's loss of voting rights. It's loss of the ability to legally own a firearm. It may affect your ability to maintain your job. As a lawyer, if I commit a felony, I could lose my license and maybe would not be allowed to be a lawyer anymore. All of these things because of how friggin' broad the laws are. And because there's so many of them and they're so impossible to know. Impossible. Again, the federal government has tried to count up how many laws they have, and they couldn't come up with the number. Partly because they kept passing new ones and changing old ones they couldn't keep track of if they'd already counted something or not. Now, you know, in the government's defense, there are a few areas where the U.S. courts have recognized that ignorance of the law is a defense, but mostly to screw us. Well, it's the whole basis of qualified immunity, and I'll talk about that more later if you don't know what it is. But qualified immunity says if a state or city person violates your rights, but they didn't know what they did was a violation of your rights, uh, they have civil immunity. You cannot sue them. And that, again, might make some sense if you just think about, well, you know, there, maybe there's this hyper-technical thing where they violated rights, but they didn't know about it. But no, that's not the way the courts have ruled it. So 
there was a guy who got arrested, and in the process of getting arrested, he surrendered, and he lied down on the ground, face down, with his hands in the back of his head, and a cop sicked a dog on him. And the cop said, well, I didn't know that was a violation of his rights. And the court said, yeah, you're right. We've never actually said that's a violation of his rights, so you didn't know, so no, he can't see you. Well, fast forward a while later, I think it was about 10 or 15 years, guy's getting arrested. He surrenders. He gets down on his hands or on his knees and is kneeling with his hands behind his head. And a cop sticks a dog on him. And he sues. And he says, court, you've already ru ruled that when somebody is giving up, when they're not violent, you can't stick a dog on them. And the courts, of course, said, oh, no, no, no. That, that other guy was lying down on the ground. You were kneeling. That's a totally different situation. This guy didn't know it was a violation of your rights. You can't sue him. So if you're a cop, if you're a prosecutor, if you're any state employee, it won't protect you from prosecution, but it will absolutely give you civil immunity from any lawsuits. This is almost even more egregious. There is a 2014 Supreme Court decision, Helen versus North Carolina. So in this particular case, a cop pulls over a vehicle because of a broken taillight. Now, this is a pretextual stop. He thought they were asking suspiciously in the car, and he was looking for a reason to stop them. And in fact, uh, after a search of the car, they find quite a bit of drugs. Well, it turns out at the time, the law in North Carolina only required a vehicle to have a working brake light. Just one. At the time, most cars had three brake lights on them. So as long as one of those was working, you weren't actually breaking the law. Uh, the police officer had pulled them over without any law having been broken. And in fact, if the cop had known the law, he would have known he couldn't pull them over for that. The stop was obviously illegal. And usually when a stop is illegal, any evidence is inadmissible. Now, I have some thoughts about that that I'll discuss later, but that's the law that we have. But SCOTUS, that's Supreme Court of the United States, SCOTUS disagreed. They find that his mistake of the law was reasonable because in almost every state, a single broken brake light or taillight was enough to stop somebody. So his mistake of the law was reasonable, and thus there was reasonable suspicion for the stop. Now, if you look at the definition of kidnapping under federal law, this cop kidnapped these people. He took them, he seized them, he prevented them from going on their way, and that was totally fine by the courts. You know, there's, uh, there, there's, there's various laws about fishing size. You have a fish that's a quarter of an inch too small, straight to jail for you. But no, a cop kidnapped somebody, and oh, no, no, he, what he did was reasonable, and you, you person with the cocaine in the back of your car, yes, you are going to prison for that. Uh, by the way, the driver of that car was a moron who gave permission to search the back of his car, or at least allegedly did, going back to why you should record conversations with cops. Uh, but he probably would have never actually been convicted if he hadn't admitted that. So general rule, don't consent to a search of your car. Now, if we just made it part of any jury deliberation that possible ignorance of the law is a defense, not an absolute one, but let the jury look at the situation. Let the jury consider all of the facts that apply in this case and decide if maybe ignorance of the law is a defense. And implicitly, we are, most countries on earth already do this. Uh, there was a case in France where a guy was on a fishing boat, and this was, you know, 200 years ago plus, so he didn't have a radio, he had no way of contacting the mainland, 
Well, they passed a law while he was on the boat, and he gets back to port, and like within an hour, he breaks this law, and it was a thing that was totally legal when he left, and they prosecuted him for it. And even then, the court said, okay, we, we literally like just passed this law. The guy had no way of finding out about it. Ignorance of the law is a defense. Well, that concludes our episode. Thank you for listening to It Depends. I'm Matthew Sersley. I am an attorney. But remember, unless you've hired me, I am not your attorney. Anything you've heard in this that you think may be legal advice is not legal advice. It's educational and informational only. Hope you liked this episode. Please like and subscribe it. If you really liked it, recommend it to a friend. If you didn't like it, recommend it to an enemy. Thanks.